You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat with James Ogden and me, Jim Gould. And on Back Chat this morning, we're talking about the impending government uh, revamp. Uh, the current 13 bureaus will be reorganised uh, into 15. And three deputies and 57 more civil service positions will be added. And that's going to cost uh, taxpayers an extra $95 million a year. Uh, we're joined now on the line by John Burns, Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor at the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong, and James Sung, Founding Director of the Progress and Perfection Research Institute, uh, joining us to discuss the planned government reorganisation. Uh, John Burns, um, good morning to you. Good morning. Perhaps if we could ask you first, uh, this is quite an extensive uh, revamp of the government structure. Um, is it going to make the operation overall more efficient? Well, there, you know, the revamp actually does a few things. It adds more silos, which increases coordination problems. It adds an extra layer, which um, all, you know, that has other problems. Uh, distortion problems and this kind of thing. And then um, we need to see what the policies are. We need to understand what the policy tools are. Um, this uh, revamp doesn't do anything to simplify the process and reduce bottleneck. And it doesn't address what is uh, a huge deficit for the government, and that is its political capacity. And that depends on trust from the public, accountable government, and participation. And these things are all in short supply. So whether it will, in sufficiency, I'm more concerned about whether it will improve effectiveness. Will it solve the problems? And I think this is what we need to be most concerned about. Mm. Uh, I mean, if it does increase the, the silos, uh, as you put it, uh isn't that what the incoming CE, John Lee, wants to avoid? I mean, he's talked about, he's, he says the reorganisation will uh, create synergies among departments and lead to a clearer division of labour. I mean, he, he's actually saying he, he wants more cooperation, doesn't he? Actually, he does. But then I think the deputy secretaries are supposed to handle these coordination problems. And, you know, by putting housing... Um, uh, uh, and land and all that under the financial secretary and having a housing czar or something like this who is responsible for this, this could work, but without the right policies, tools, and processes, we don't know. Just by definition, you create more silos, you create more coordination problems, and that will have... We will uh, social welfare under one, uh, under the chief secretary, will have housing under uh, under financial secretary. Those things need to be coordinated too, uh, because elderly housing um, is a big issue as the population ages. Right, and we've got environment under the chief sec and development under the financial secretary. I mean, those two things got to work better together than, than that, surely. Absolutely, and so this is 
this is, you know, it's creating new problems, trying to solve old problems, creating new problems. But as I say, we don't, you know, it's the policies, the tools, the processes, and this thing that I keep going back to of political capacity, which is a core part of policy capacity. What they're addressing is basically operational issues, mm. not the political issues. Yeah. Who's the architect of this? I mean, do they have any expertise in, in designing this structure, or they just sort of move some boxes around? Because it doesn't look to be much thought behind it, and it's happened very quickly. Actually, I think there is there is thought behind it. I, you know, to be to right. be fair to the government, I, um, I think you know, Carrie Lamb produced something like this. Um, uh, well, last year and. And and C.Y. Lung had been talking about making some changes and was unable to do this. So these these changes, I think, are based on experience of mainly the administrative officers in government. And um, and so we go through these kinds of processes from time to time there is no one best way this is the absolute fundamental truth mm. so what we've had before didn't work didn't didn't solve the problems apparently but as i say the just reshuffling the deck chairs and adding some more without addressing some of these more fundamental issues that's not going to make it more effective and actually solve the problem. Uh, James Song, good morning to you. Good morning. So John Burns is looking for uh, more effective governance which will solve problems. Uh, do you think this plan will help in that regard? Now, um, the, the idea to have a better and faster government providing uh, services uh, more efficiently, uh, yes, this is uh, the right thing. But the problem for many years of the uh, SAL government is that uh, the cross-departmental cooperation regarding the delivery of one specific task uh, is no good. Uh, it's really weak. So how to get rid of the unnecessary and outdated rules and regulation in order to facilitate or to speed up uh, the process of delivery is a real challenge. So um, that's why uh, John said uh, within 100 days he's going to uh, provide the key performance indicator to different bureau uh, regarding uh, the standard of services or efficiency. So this is no easy job. It's a real challenge. So. Uh, how to uh, provide uh, a better uh, coordination across different departments uh, in delivering uh, specific services. I think this is uh, a real challenge. It depends on uh, whether or not uh, John can get experienced, capable, and passionate talent. <laughs> this is important, not just the structure but also whether or not you get the right person to uh, provide the leadership for uh, delivering. Right, because uh, Professor Burns talked about political capacity, so he's going to need people there that have that political capacity and trust, but are there that many people in Hong Kong right now? Are there 15 that can do that? 
James Sung. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's no easy job to find the right person uh, to form the governing team. It's still uh, uh, wait and see whether John can find those uh, good person or not. Uh, Have so you got any picks or any, uh, any predictions there? Yeah, I think I think he, he already have some uh, uh, person in mind, uh, except that uh, whether or not they would promise to join uh, the governing team. Uh, for example, um, uh, in terms of uh, some of the uh, position for the deputy secretary, uh, it's really challenges because uh, uh, the. the uh, uh, the, the, this is a real uh, difficult job for some of them uh, to provide uh, good coordination across departmental. For example, uh, as John uh, been uh, uh, facing uh, the right person to provide the uh, services to the uh, Department of Justice, for example, uh, whether or not you can find the right person to go overseas, all right, to explain uh, to the foreigner that we have a, a good uh, practice in uh, the judiciary uh, community. Uh, Hong Kong still uh, have an independent judiciary uh, system. Uh, we have good practice here. And uh, how to explain to the West uh, is no uh, easy job. In particularly, right now, uh, there are more political attacks from the West at a time where the geopolitical situation are facing drastic change, uh, especially the worsening of the Sino-American relation. Uh, so people uh, are, uh, keep an eye on whether uh, one country, two system already gone. So this is difficult for uh, the uh, person to go overseas to uh, tell the better story about what's going on in Hong Kong. Mm. Yeah, John Burns, how do you think the new administration uh, and the uh, Department of Justice will uh, approach that task? Because, uh, uh, as James Sung was saying, uh, clearly there will be uh, difficulties. Yes, um, James Sung talked about the practice, and I think this is the essence of the issue. Sending people overseas to do propaganda about what the text of the Constitution and the basic law, or, you know, uh, the, even the spirit of it is insufficient. It's the practice. And actually, people in Hong Kong and people overseas are watching the practice every day. And so they have their own opinion about this. And the practice isn't just a DOJ issue. I mean, the police, the courts, correctional services in the community, all of these people are involved in this practice. So this, I think, is the, the, the essence of it. And promoting the basic law practice now, while the emphasis is on national security and the authorities are hunting down everyone who was involved in the protests in 2019, Without the government itself being held to account for its role in this, this is a problem. And this is not a story that is easy to tell. Yeah, and it's not just uh, political issues, really, is it? I was at a small memorial service last night for, for fallen bicycle riders, and the police harassed and, and basically shut it down and chased uh, this, this small group of four people around. How is someone going to go overseas and say, 
you know, how, how is the propaganda for that going to, going to work overseas? Because people can see exactly, as you said, what's happening on the ground. This is precisely my point. Mm. You know, so I think it, I, I agree with James Sun that we have to focus on the practice. And Hong Kongers and people overseas, they are very focused on the practice. So, the, you know, the, um, the event last night that you mentioned, that's all over the world now. So yeah. it's very difficult in this kind of an environment. You know, adding one or two people to do this is, um, you know, so you have your propaganda story over here, and then you have the practice over here, and there's a huge gap between them. So how does that work? Well, I don't. I don't think it can be effective. Yeah, uh, yeah especially uh, uh, the legislation of the Basic Law, Article 23 is coming. <laughs> uh, this could probably would be a. Uh, a, a, a real uh, challenges to uh, uh, the judicial community. So uh, the West is looking closely to uh, this issue, how the, uh, uh, the Department of Justice as well as the court's reaction uh, to the Western community. I think, I think this is a big storm that's coming. Okay, uh, just looking at the reorganisation itself. So, uh, as expected, the uh, Transport and Housing Bureau's uh, bureau was uh, split. Um, obviously, housing remains and has been for many years uh, a huge issue. Uh, under this revamp, uh, uh, is John Lee going to be able to, you know, achieve what he wants to of uh, speeding up the process of uh, providing a public housing? Uh, John Burns? Well, this w we need to see. Um, the, by separating the Housing Bureau, um, this signals to the community and to the civil service that housing is a top priority. This is good, I think. But it depends on the tools he's willing to use. Is John, will, uh, John Lee willing to resume land? for example, is he willing to um, take the brownfield sites in the, um, in the new territories? What, you know, and so this requires political will, political capital, and um, is he willing to simplify the process? These are all operational issues, I would say, but I go back to the political capacity issue, which is a deficit. And he's digging himself out of a hole that Carrie Lamb dug us into and others. Um, so, I, of course, nobody, nobody cares more about this than I do. I would love to see the housing, the housing problem solved, but uh, we have to wait and see. That, because there's many, many moving parts here, not just uh, a bureau. Within the Bureau, I mean, I deal with Transport Department a lot and I ask them questions and they'll often say, no, no, that's not Transport Department, that's Transport and Housing Bureau problem. Um, and it's a different contact, different email, completely different team. So does it really make any difference which Bureau these departments are in? Are they, They're just going to stay in their silos anyway, surely? I mean, this is what we have to see. We, the, but this, this requires much more than reorganization. And this requires John Lee himself to 
lead on things like this, a single point of contact on on these things. I think we need, I think he needs um, a, a task force in his office mm. that is working on this 24-7. Yeah. And with somebody delegated responsibility to cut through the crap, yeah. you know, and, and but that requires political capital. That requires political capacity. That and you know, okay, so he has Legco now. Yes, yes, of course. There's no problem about that. But he also needs the community. And remember, only 22 percent of the people of Hong Kong trust the government. Yeah. One of the best things that I saw in recent years from the government was the task force on uh, environment. Oh, sorry, on electric vehicles, um, because that was actually, I think, the first cross department that had EPD, that had fire services, that had transport department, all coming together. And like you said, they were working not 24/7, but they were meeting. I think every weekend over three years, they'll be getting together and actually trying to do stuff. And it's almost like they jumped over the whole government structure and put this together, led by Kenneth Long at uh, EPD. So, I mean, is, do you think that the departments themselves might start to organise this if John Lee is, is willing for that? He says, I mean, let's take him at his word, you know. He says that housing is the number one priority, after security, of course. So, all right, if that's the case, He's given himself 100 days. We will give him that, and let's see exactly what he can do. Because, you know, musical chairs of the bureaus, is okay, that's one thing, and it's expensive, as you pointed out. But, but we have to see what the policies are, the tools are, and is he willing and able to um, mobilize the community to do this? Can we just uh, look at the the demands that will be placed uh, on John Lee when he becomes a uh, ch chief executive from July the first? Because <clears throat> uh, two of the main uh, business chambers, that is the the Hong Kong General Chamber of Commerce and the European Chamber of Commerce, uh, they've both uh, repeated their calls for the CE to drop quarantine requirements uh, for travellers. Um, and that, in fact, brings me on to an email from uh, listener Leslie Ann. If I can just uh, just read this one out for a moment. It says, uh, uh, Dear Backchat, I'm currently on day three out of my seven-day ridiculous quarantine, having stayed away from Hong Kong since the middle of December to avoid it. As the world has pretty much completely opened up, Hong Kong is still lagging way behind with mask mandates, restrictions and quarantine for incoming arrivals. This is all despite an estimated four and a half million uh, past COVID cases in Hong Kong, the community being 86% double vaccinated, 51% triple vaccinated and all incoming passengers uh, are fully vaccinated along with a negative test before departure. The current situation is totally ludicrous. Why can't incoming passengers who test negative on arrival just go home? When is Hong Kong and Macau going to open up and acknowledge that catching Omicron if you are double vaccinated gives you a sore throat that is a bit of a cold it's not a serious illness the rest of the world sees this and has acted on it so why can't hong kong so much for being asia's world city thank you that from uh, leslie ann um there does seem to be uh, an increasing amount of pressure uh, from uh, the business community uh, for the ending of quarantine requirements and um, uh, john burns do you think can you envisage that that may happen 
Yes, but the point is, Hong Kong is a local government of China. Yeah. And China has, I mean, Hong Kong has never had complete control of its own borders. And certainly it doesn't have the autonomy to go on its own, leaving dynamic zero COVID. What's encouraging is that we see more debate about this on the mainland. And, I mean, the government is pushing back there, the central government fighting back and insisting that it must be dynamic zero COVID. But still, there is more discussion of the impact on the economy. So, yes, we know that just because these chambers wrote to John Lee is not going to change a single thing. Um, what needs to happen is a change at the center. I do not think Hong Kong can go on its own in this regard. Yeah. Uh, J- James Sung, I mean, I mean, John Lee could at least uh, talk to the central authorities about it? Uh, definitely. Uh, uh, the central authority at Beijing are very much concerned about the reopening of the border. Uh, they insist that uh, first you should open and get connected with uh, Guangdong and other parts of the mainland before you open to the West. Uh, this is a very strong voice from Beijing. But they understand that uh, as a, uh, a financial center, a global city, uh, Hong Kong need to get connected to the West. And there are high pressure uh, for the uh, uh, SAR government to uh, open to the West. Uh, so they understand. They would like to make a... Um, a, 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 a balance between uh, the two opening or the the the, uh, uh, the border, but the problem is that uh, in in mainland uh, the situation is not very good. As you know, that uh, the coming uh, Asian uh, Olympic Games at Hangzhou uh, has been postponed. Yeah. In yeah. other words, uh, the situation is no good. So they would be very much alert about uh, the issue of reopening of the border. So it, it depends on how John needs to persuade uh, when he uh, uh, go to Beijing, uh, how important it's the opening of the, 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 uh, the airport to the West first. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, the two chambers make, make, make a very strong uh, requirement uh, to the uh, SAR government. Yeah. It makes sense. It, it could have been, of course, that John Lee was selected precisely because he, he already agreed to uh, adhere to the, to the zero COVID, so he won't be making any challenges on, on that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and other issue I'm, I'm more, more interested in is that uh, the central policy unit, as we know that uh, John insists that the policy research is very important in order to broaden up the scope of the senior official of the government. Uh, so um, uh, more uh, research and uh, better survey about the public opinion is very important. So uh, uh, I think John uh, really have to think about uh, to um, set up a, a very practical and useful high-level uh, all-round research unit uh, after he gets uh, 
his position uh, after July the first. Right, I think but, I, I think John has a lot of things to say about the CPU. Yeah, we have we have PICO, obviously the Policy Innovation and Coordination Office, which actually put together this uh, this whole reorganisation. But they seem to do a lot of research, which then goes into drawers and is never right. used. I mean, is that what you're talking about? A sort of an extension of that, or something new on top of that? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, because uh, Carrie Lam uh, uh, get rid of the CPU, mm. uh, she thinks she uh, <laughs> has good sense about what's going on in society. Yeah. So uh, it's time to set up uh, the CPU again. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. John Burns, is he going to bring it back, Central Policy Units? <laughs> well, he's got to bring something like that back. And, you know, it, it, that's another thing that could be in the CE's office. We definitely need, as James Sung said, this kind of cross-government research capacity that that treats uh, that's long-term, and this is something that's missing. And Carrie Lam seemed to think that she didn't need that, and we also need this capacity to understand what um, it, what the public is thinking. John Lee's um, own. Uh, you know, manifesto and also the Let's Go paper on reorganization talks about public expectations and meeting public expectations. So how can you meet them if you don't know what they are? Yeah, so we really need a new, uh, we need an independent public opinion sort of research. I know we've got Pori, which used to be with the uh, HKU, but I'm, I'm not sure if we actually have a sort of truly international world-class uh, public opinion research going on in Hong Kong. Is there, is there anything that you would trust? Oh, absolutely there is. I mm. mean, I'm very happy to say that that's one of them. Chinese U also does this too regularly, yeah. and, and both of them are very credible in terms of using, you know, the, be the highest standards to compete these surveys. And I think um, these are absolutely the go-to places for this. So if you, so, but the government has, it, you know, right now I think home affairs or district offices or something do some, some, um, you know, taking soundings or whatever it is. But, but the government needs its own uh, polling capacity because it has different issues, different questions than what these two that I'm referring to look at. But then, you know, you can triangulate this. You can say, okay, we found this, these other two found this, how to explain the differences, things like that, and learn from it. Okay, on that note, we'll have to bring the discussion to a close uh, because it's coming up to 9.30. But thanks very much uh, to both of you for speaking to us on Backchat this morning. Uh, John Burns there, Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor at the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. And James Song, Founding Director of the Progress and Perfection Research Institute. Uh, thanks to everybody who wrote in. Thanks to all our listeners. And thanks very much to you. James. Thank you, Jim. And I see RTHK is still under the Commerce and Economic right. Development Bureau. We're not, we're not yet we're under culture. Been, we haven't been uh, reshuffled. We're uncultured. Um, thanks. Uh, thank you. A uh, quick look at the weather before we go to Morning Brew. And uh, before that, the news summary. Uh, it's going to be mainly cloudy today. Uh, one or two showers uh, at first. Uh, sunny periods. Top temperature around uh, 28 degrees. Moderate easterly winds. The outlook, sunny intervals in the next couple of days and a few showers early next week.
It is currently 25 degrees, humidity 59%. Our beautiful Hong Kong home is a crowded place. In the event of a terrorist attack, the consequences could be dire. Stay calm and call the police hotline 999 if circumstances allow. The Hong Kong police are always prepared to safeguard our home. Let's work hand in hand to protect Hong Kong and ensure our city remains one of the safest in the world.